I'm Max, and you're listening to Zito Slapitas, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you basketball players and reluctant coaches out there? I'm Alan. I'm a reluctant coach. Oh, nice. And I'm Max. Oh, yeah. And this is Zetus Lapidus. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order. And then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, folks, we watched Full Court Miracle. That's true. We did. We did. It's a. It's this year's, it's 2003's version of a holiday film. So, But we get a new holiday. New holiday. Which I was excited to see. Yeah, Hanukkah see. movie. Quick question mm-hmm. about Hanukkah, because we're going to talk about it a Yo, lot. Both of us know a lot about Hanukkah. How do you spell Hanukkah? With the C or without? Yeah. Is that your question? Mm-hmm. Is there a reason? I'm, um, I'm sure there is a reason, but I'm not sure what the reason is. I would not be qualified to answer that question. I Google that. Google. Because I went to a school that celebrated Hanukkah as much as it celebrated Christmas, and people spelled it both ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. a regional like thing or, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah I would say it's like a cultural imperative. If it's... I always saw it spelled without the C, I guess. Like if I see d- decor or like things for sale... You know, around that season, I see it without the C, but I understand that I've also seen it with the C. Hmm. So I don't know. It's because in Hebrew, the word Hanukkah begins with the letter Ch, right? Ch, uh, which is spelled C H E T. And since Ch doesn't have a letter in the English language, um, and they hmm. they correlate it to J in some versions of Spanish. Um, some people translate it with H, and some people translate it with the CH. Interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. Mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the description for this movie is an African-American college basketball star becomes the head coach of a yeshiva's struggling basketball team in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, after a knee injury forces him to leave the game, based on the true story of Lamont Carr. You know, I had a thought as it slowed in. I recognized it as Philly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do this research, but I think I might for the future. I, I feel like this isn't the first Philly decom we've had. Is that right? Have we had other Philly decoms? I guess my thought was, I wonder what the city distribution of decoms mm. is. Like, there's clearly a lot in California. That's not surprising. People setting stuff in uh, around where the studios are located. There's probably like... Some neat, there's some New York, there's a couple of New Yorks, right? I think that we've had another Philly. I could be wrong, but I, I'm curious what cities are. No Chicago yet, have we had? I don't Chicago? think we've had no. a Chicago. Like no. it's it's interesting to me to think about like how many are placed in different spots. <clears throat> well, it's I mean, unrelated to the movie, but I just had the thought as we loaded in. I was like, ah, oh, I'm pretty sure we've seen something in Philly already. I haven't seen anyone eat a cheesesteak though, to my knowledge, which true. is a is a surefire sign you're in Philly. I also, like, let's be clear. Even if they're set in a particular city and or state, they're probably filmed in Canada. Like, Oh, they're had, definitely not. Yeah, they yeah. weren't filmed there for <laughs> sure. But it's just interesting to think of the setting, I think. True. This movie was released on November the 21st of 2003. And I have to know, did either of you watch this movie as a kid? Because I didn't. No. No. I didn't even know this movie existed. Same. And Yeah, it's... This is another. I, do we just have this blind spot in DCOM history? Like, because some, I'm, I was like aware of the Cheetah Girls. I think we all were aware of them, but then there are some things that just exist. I'm going, when? When did this happen? Like, I, I just, I think I'm just too old. Like, I, I think that this is the period where I'm not watching Disney Channel anymore. Yeah, I think we're all 15 or so years old. Like, we're kind of aging out a little bit. Yeah, 
I mean, if anybody, Alan, you'd have the best shot. Yeah. But I think for me, I'm 14 when this movie comes out. Mm. I'm not watching this, right? Like I'm watching MTV VH1. Yeah, I'm like, watching the OC. Uh, I'm not paying attention to decomps. And that's true of most of these movies, right? Next, we have Pixel Perfect. Never heard of that movie either, right? Like, I think I, we're I think we're going to hit a gap, like you're saying, where we haven't seen any of them until like High School Musical or until it's sequels of other ones and maybe we haven't seen those but at least we will know the characters yeah or the other thing that will come around is eventually we're going to hit the point where we were disney cast members mm. oh, at yeah. that point i'm Camp not Rock. suggesting right i'm not suggesting we've seen them but we're gonna have more awareness of them because we were here and like we know that they came out it got promoted and they did teen beach party at uh, Typhoon Lagoon. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Or they, or remember those cast gifts they used to give us? They're like, here's the DVD of the most recent release of the thing. Enjoy. Yeah. Now, those are like, I think we got like what, Toy Story 3 back in the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never got, got a decom. No I, I got Toy Story 3, which I was not mad about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the top song of the time. Listen, guys, Beyonce is dominating. Mm. This is the third week, the art, the first time ever, third week Beyonce has appeared, but it is Baby Boy. Which is Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. Baby boy, I'll say I'm my mind, fulfill my fantasy. Tell me what you feel. I think about it all the time. Wait, wait, Sean, Sean, Paul's here. Sean Paul? Sean Paul? I like how Beyonce's not here, but Sean Paul could well, be here. Well, I get it. No, trust me. Trust me. Okay. Tell me what you feel. Now, the top grossing film of the time might surprise you. It was The Cat in the Hat. Oh, with Mike Myers. Myers. Oh, no. (laughs) Yo, you know who's in that? Spencer Breslin. Our favorite. (laughs) It's so bad. Oh, God. Right off of his uh, latest decom. Oh, yeah. I saw that and I was like, please let it be. I actually went, normally I only go to like maybe one website to try to find the top movie of that week. But this one was like, I gotta, I gotta verify. I don't want it to be the cat Mm. in the hat. Nope. Unanimous, the cat and the hat across the board. Um, that was a bad movie. Yeah, it was not great. Speaking of movies that weren't bad, though, for other news headlines of the time, the third and final installment of the Matrix trilogy had just been released, Matrix Revolutions. Also bad movie. Yeah, but is it cat and the hat bad? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> uh, so that had just debuted, sort of finalizing the, not sort of, it did finalize the Matrix trilogy. And then also around this time, at 21 years old, Britney Spears became the youngest person at the time to have their name added to the Walk of Fame. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was a cool little fun fact about Britney. Britney Spears. I love her. Yeah. She's a big part of my childhood. I could go into a lot of things about Britney Spears, but that's not what this podcast is about. Is but it, does it going to become a Britney Spears pod? I think I'd be too sad. It's a sad story. It's a sad story. It is a sad story. But you know what's not a sad story? The story of Full Court Miracle. That's true. Also, we're not going to get a uh, December decom, but I did want to point out that Lord of the Rings Return of the King comes out like a week and a half after this movie. That probably is going to dominate. Probably takes down Cat in the Hat. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed it takes down down Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat supremacy. We only have Cat in the Hat. Yeah, I mean... Close, it's a close call. Yeah, the, the, the hobbits need to bow down to <laughs> my friends. You bow down to no one, and it's the cat in the hat. <laughs> Michael Myers runs out. <laughs> what fish? Two fish. 
ring. <laughs> Have you guys seen this ring? Uh, all right, let's talk about Full Court Miracle. This movie opens up, as we have talked about, in Philly. And it's a cityscape shot right off the bat. It's pretty identifiable for those of you who are familiar with the Philadelphia landscape. Um, We meet initially Alex, who is our main character, and Julie, his definite love interest, who is with him. Is he a love interest? I thought it was besties. Let me just just start this off. Why the fuck is she in this movie? I have a note here. I have a note here. What is the point of Julie? I, I, have, I have okay. I, I'm just gonna say this. I have a lot of good to say about this movie. Oh yeah. Why the fuck is she? In this She's movie? an unnecessary I, I just character. Don't understand it, at all. I, I feel like this. They they had to when conceptualizing and planning this movie. They had to have a role for her, but it just must have through the writing have disappeared. Maybe it got cut. Maybe it's on the editing room floor. But man, she does nothing, mm-hmm. which is a bummer because. Like, her role, if they had actually used her properly, could have been pretty important and impactful. I just don't know why you need her ever. If I'm if I'm honest, I think I disagree with you that, like, I don't think she could have done anything that was more impactful than, like, that team of boys. Right? Like, he had that friend role. We will mm-hmm. see that play. He had that from all the other guys on his team. He doesn't need that person like i just don't understand and we didn't need a love interest either didn't need a love and she didn't even play that well i know i'm just saying like if we if they had used her a different way i think it would have been an unnecessary plot point to make him have a romantic like she gives him shit about like you don't pass you don't do that but it's ultimately the coach that gets him to stop doing those things it's not like he listens to julie and changes the way he plays She's completely unnecessary. You know what she is really good at? Holding a sign. She's great at holding She's great at holding a sign. And I think that, listen, it's an understated role, Mm. the sign holder, Mm. but she crushes it, in my opinion. So good for her. I hope she's holding a sign on a picket line right now, this actress. Maybe this was good training to be out there. A moment in time for you there, listener. Yeah. So we meet these two. We find out that it is, we, we get Spanish and Hebrew. Very quickly, as as the language that have been sort of spoken, and we have the introduction to the the Hebrew school. It's called Philadelphia Hebrew School. Is that is that what the name of the school is called? I can't remember right off the bat, but it's pretty overt at this point that we are following the story of of both Alex uh, Alex Schlotsky, who is our again the main character, and his crew of other Jewish boys who are playing on a basketball team that is pretty terrible. Oh, yeah, they've lost, uh, when we pick up, 19 games in a row, and we're going to watch them lose the 20th. Yeah, they uh, they are the Lions. They are playing against the Warriors, and the Warriors are clobbering them. Mm. We have a great slow-mo talking sequence between Alex and, I can't even remember the name of the bully boy, but Tyler. Tyler. What are you doing, Alex? I'm going to show you. <laughs> so I was like, why? What is happening? Uh, but yeah, they get crushed. It's it's bad. They are they are a very, very here's what made me uncomfortable. And I'm just going to say it right off the bat is I feel like there was some stereotyping that was present in this movie about. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. And if I am, listen, I'll own that. My bad. But it felt like there was some stereotyping around Jewish kids because as the play, as basketball is being played, you've got the kids on the bench doing like 
homework about biology and mathematics. Even the coach is doing it because the, we find out that this coach who's currently coaching the team is the algebra teacher. But do you think it's because they're Jewish or just because they're nerds and don't care about basketball? I would like to think it's because they're nerds and don't care about basketball. I worry like, that the implication is they're so they're bad Jewish. that they're just like, I might as well get my homework done. Yeah, my, my read is that, and you're very well possibly correct. My read is that like, there is not a lot of care about this sport in this school period yeah it comes from like the the buoy of the rabbi who like, i just want to say right now rabbi possibly my favorite character in this film love the rabbi who yeah, he's school. great yeah i think alex is like the only one that really cares about basketball even his friends don't really seem to care that much i think it's just like they're probably doing it because they have to do it for credit for you know something and they just don't care and they suck they're terrible mm. and they know they're getting clobbered and that's just they don't have a real coach. Yeah. The, they don't have a... Yeah. I, I I could be wrong. I didn't read into it as a stereotype. I, I also want to point out, we did miss an important part. Are, you, are we talking about the dream sequence? Yeah. We, okay. we start in history class, and they're teaching the history of uh, the Jewish folks during the... Uh, with the Maccabees against the the evil king. And, and they're telling the history of Hanukkah is like what they're learning about. And Alex goes into a daydream. And I just got to say, I didn't have a Maccabee basketball crossover fever dream on my <laughs> Disney original movie bucket list. But like, I'm, we're crossing it off the bingo card. I'm glad like, it's there. <laughs> I wasn't mad at it. The, I, I yeah. wasn't mad at the it. The gray haze was crazy. <laughs> but like, I, I just like that they just shot it on a normal basketball court and then they like put a really shitty filter over it and they're like, it's a dream. And they made... Oh, the basketball effects? And, and I like the outfits because oh, like yeah. Alex and his team are wearing like sacks like they look like mm -hmm. potato sacks like clearly like rags mm -hmm. and then the warriors are wearing like party city gladiator costumes mm -hmm. is, is kind of what i was uh, what i was enjoying there <laughs> but was i was like oh this is nice it was brilliant you know it's funny it's like and and i think i'm gonna say this about a lot it would be a fair criticism of a listener to be like max you're easy on this film because if this was a different movie you'd be lambasting it in this moment but for whatever, whatever reason, I thought it was good. I, I thought it yeah. was like the dream sequence didn't bother me. Like, it's crazy. But I was like, oh, okay, that's fun. But I, I also <laughs> it, liked... It was just fun. I liked the dream sequences in Miracle in Line 2. It's true. I it's don't true. hate the crazy dream sequences of kids because I think they're funny and they're fun most of the time. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, this one was... The, what, what struck me about this is just how I... Even though I knew it was a dream sequence, it struck me immediately as like, well, whatever it takes this kid to learn something. Like, I didn't even read it as like him being wild. I was just like, no, this is just a crazy way for him to learn about his history. Mm. If he has to equate it to. And we see that actually. It was interesting. We see it come back later in the movie because he has to like we, we get later a uh, listener that Alex has to learn more history while dribbling a basketball and t treating uh, the, the history of his people like basketball player statistics. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was a nice way to sort of tie a bow on that. But I agree. That dream sequence was amazing. Mm -hmm. We have, after this entire setup of the, the basketball team losing, this is just to set up for us that, hey, basketball is very important to Alex. Here's the team. Here are the players quite literally on this team and also the friend group. And here's the school. Now let's meet home life. We have, we meet mom and dad. Mom is a doctor. Dad is a realtor. We don't find that until a little bit later. Um, and we have, again, the trope in a decom of a parent pushing a dream 
on their child. Man, but how refreshing is it? That it was mom? That it was mom. Yes. How refreshing. One, no single parent encounter in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At all. None. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. how refreshing was it that dad was actually the one that was like emotionally supportive mm-hmm. and talking mom through some of these things and mom was the one pressuring and it wasn't dad was the bad guy and that we actually saw mom and dad communicating about these feelings. I I I don't love mom in this movie. She's clearly the antagonist. It, it, it's not like I'm going to sit here and be like, I like all of her stuff, but man, do I, I like this portrayal of parents a lot. It felt real. Yeah. Like this, this is one of the only times outside of maybe the Yoder parents where I was like, yeah, that feels normal. Like kind of what those, I feel like those interactions would be like behind the scenes, mm-hmm. which when we, let's just take a look at any of the other parent relationships that are just like off the top, even Cheetah Girls, right? In mm-hmm. some instances, I was like, that feels kind of cartoonish, but Motocrossed or Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, those are all really and again, I'm no therapist, but they feel really unhealthy and toxic behaviors in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, like you mentioned, just felt good. Also, another contender for like best decom dad here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. He, he came out to crush. So supportive, there for all the games, there to support his kids' dreams, communicates very well and clearly with his wife about, you know, like banger. Also important um, community theater return because mom is mom from Cadet Kelly. Mm. oh i didn't even recognize that now mm-hmm. that you say it yeah mm-hmm. wow well welcome back a much better mom in this movie that's not true she's a much better mom than cadet kelly i was just thinking about the actress mm. Cut the i don't know if i would say that mm. she's a very passive mom that just does whatever her new beau wants her to and cadet she kelly. like just yeah. picks up her daughter and is like we're moving to military school yeah, yeah. i i think probably on par i i'd probably say she's better in this movie but it's it's close the the more i thought about it, it's like Ugh. yeah just very very different different roles in these dad goes out and plays some hoops with alex dad is not good at basketball alex is unkind <laughs> in saying that to his father hey dad you don't got the moves <laughs> i thought that was great i just love that they had like they have a we get to see a really healthy dad-son relationship in this, and that was that that just kept playing out, and it was really, really refreshing. And we cut back to the school where Alex realizes that they need to have a very particular type of individual to sort of come and coach them. Uh, and he's equating it to the history that he's learned from the rabbi, and they need a, uh, it is Judas Maccabee, right? Who's the 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 individual that they are looking for? A leader. A leader. Ultimately, this whole movie sort of parallels this story that they're learning in history that is ultimately the story of Hanukkah. And they need a leader that can guide the people, much like they did in in history, and motivate them and help them see the light when there is darkness. And, like, they... They don't have it. They don't have a coach. Like mm-hmm. they have a they have a math teacher mm-hmm. who is on a bench, um, but they need somebody to actually give them guidance and leadership. Do you guys know the story of Hanukkah? I, mean, um, I do now. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to present it via song. You know what? Actually, you know I don't know it. Tell me. I'm not going to do the whole song, but oh, well, I'm sad. I also am not going to sing in Hebrew, which I can do. 
Now, wait a minute. I need some context. So I went to a very small private school for my whole life. And in the lower school, every holiday season, we presented a play and it was called The Holiday Program. Uh And it was both the story of Hanukkah and Christmas. And each grade had a different role. So like the kindergartners held little candles and stood in front of the stage. The first graders are the actors. The sixth graders are the narrators, et cetera, et cetera. The kindergartners a prop. Yeah, they say everybody sings except for the first graders. First grade's a big deal because you get to be the actors. Whoa. Yeah. I was the third candle in the menorah. Nice. Wait a minute. Yeah. Nice. Uh, But I'm pretty sure if I went to my school right this year, 2023, and watched the holiday program this fall, it would be the same fucking thing I did for seven years, kindergarten through sixth grade. It's been the same ever since. And because of the Hanukkah half... You have to know how to sing the songs. And there are songs in Hebrew. And there are songs that teach you the story of Hanukkah. Little eight days of Hanukkah. Eight days of Hanukkah. We celebrate the festival of life. Eight days of history. Eight days for you and me. Let's keep the flame forever shining bright. It goes on. I think what I will say is, and I actually appreciate this movie for this. Growing up in uh, a, a Christian upbringing and... Growing up in the South where, you know, frankly, I didn't have Jewish friends. I didn't uh-huh. grow up around Jewish people. I, uh, the extent of my knowledge was that the oil burned for eight days. Like I mm-hmm. was, I knew the eight days piece. I understood uh, sort of the, that central piece, why there were eight candles in the menorah. I understood that central piece of Hanukkah in the same way that probably somebody would say like, Christmas, birth of Christ, right? But you may not know all the other mm-hmm. leading up or or other details. I actually appreciate that this movie gave you more of that story in a way that felt easy to take in. It, it did it through a narrative that was engaging, that I walked out knowing things that I didn't know before. And uh, I liked that. I thought it was good. I think what hit me is it because it was uh, the modality, it's like it's approachable. Whereas mm-hmm. if I'm just... If, and be. It's approachable because it's for us, the viewer, at least for me, the viewer, because it's approachable for Alex. Mm -hmm. And that was I I felt like I was sort of in the sidecar with Alex throughout this story, which was a nice change. Uh, No more did I feel this way than when he is at the sort of uh, it's the public basketball court area that shared. He's talking with Julie about his desire to find a Maccabee as his coach. And lo and behold, on the court behind him. He sees a gentleman absolutely crushing. The second coming. Mm, of Judas Maccabee. <laughs> That's right. This is Judas Maccabee, yeah. Uh, the JM165. Yeah. His license plate. Guys, when I tell you... So the, the interaction that Alex has with Lamont Carr, we don't know that's his name yet, but that's ultimately who it is. The interaction that Alex has with Lamont Carr at first, I'm like, wow, this is a very precocious kid. This uh, is funny to me. Wow. I just want you to imagine, though. Like, obviously, it works out. Obviously... You know, where I think most people in the audience are probably endeared to Alex as a character. But I just want you to imagine you're just trying to work out, right? (laughs) You're just trying to like shoot some hoops. You know, you got a lot on your brain and you just want to like unplug and work out a little bit. And this fucking kid will not leave you alone. Like takes your ball and won't give you your ball back. And is like, tell me your name. Like, I'd be like, dude, it just... I just want to shoot some hoops. I mean, he reacts the way I would expect him to. Like, the only thing I would add is that when Alex is like, 
I'll, I'll give you the ball if you give me your name. I'd be like, no, you little shit. Like, uh, yeah, it's like that's my ball. But but then when he just takes it and, and leaves, goes and gets to the van and leaves, I was like, yeah, that adds up. Like, that's exactly like fuck off. Like, yeah, just like all right, bro. Like, thank you for like what? If I was just trying to have some me time and like a fourteen year old kid, I'd be like, go away. Hey, what like, are you doing here? It was just so good. But we get some grade A detective and research skills from Alex. Mm. They say over and over and over again throughout this movie that Alex should be a lawyer. And the more that he does these types of things, I'm like, kind of right. He should be a detective, not a lawyer. Well, I think they're mostly talking about his ability to, to sort of smooth talk his way That's through true. things. That's true. He's pretty, he's good with the, the talking and the convincing. Uh, but a but to your point, his detective work is impeccable when he goes and figures out exact like he's like, it's a Virginia license plate. It's let's go check Virginia basketball players. Well, it was right. like a booster. It was a specifically like a University of Virginia, a University of Virginia booster program license plate. And so he was then able to like connect it to the to that university. Mm -hmm. And so they find out that this is Lamont Carr, mm -hmm. who played for the University of Virginia who is there, uh, I'm sorry, I said incorrect, Judah Maccabee. My, my apologies. Uh, it's also like Judas Maccabeus, but I think it's Judah Maccabee in this translation. So my sincerest apologies, listener. Uh, as a fun little side note, mom can't cook. That that little trope comes up a couple of times. Mom brings cookies that are just bricks of charcoal. Mm. Mom also, we already missed a point where mom, I mean, you kind of vaguely said it, but we're really hammering in that mom's like, why are you, why do you care about basketball? Like you should be a lawyer or a doctor. And she's a doc. It's very, it's established quickly that she's a doctor and she thinks that's like the best career. Mm -hmm. But she's, she's already made a couple mention of him doing something that's not basketball and not understanding basketball. Mm -hmm. Well, it comes up almost every other line from her is in some way trying to put Alex into her career path. We don't see a lot of progression until later, which is good that we see it. But the the initial two thirds of this movie is mom really funneling Alex into this, like, be a doctor, be a doctor, come do a fellowship program. You have to do this thing that I want you to do. Your your thing is dumb. Do my thing. Well, and it's specifically the the thing she keeps saying, and I'm I'm gonna quote dad because again, I'm just really happy with this relationship, is she keeps saying, Your chance of becoming an NBA player is so low that it's not worth you doing this. That like you don't have a future doing this. And so you should do a thing that will give you a future. Right. right? And they talk about how many people there are in the country and of those, uh, of those, how many people become NBA players and what's the percentage and whatnot. And there's one exchange with dad where she says, Alex is not there. And she says to dad, I know he won't be in the NBA. And so do you. And dad says, no, I don't know that. I suspect it, but I don't know it. And I really loved that exchange mm -hmm. because it was so like, Dad's like, you are hard making assumption. And also, obviously, this is simplifying for for the audience and for the age. But like, it's also neglecting to say he doesn't need to make it the NBA. He could get a full ride to a college like and that's valuable. A right? And like, he could also just have a, something he likes to do. Totally. Like, but I mean, like from a yeah. future standpoint, yeah. to only to only call out the NBA mm -hmm. is to dismiss 
all of the other future benefits mm-hmm. of playing the sport and yep. of being good at he's clearly good like he plays yeah. well and so you're you're being dismissive even if to your point molly like it's just good to have hobbies and, and activities you like and you're connecting with people and you're and all team things, building and, and you're learning a lot of things all and- those things are valuable but also you're dismissing education which is probably the biggest driver of athletics mm-hmm. like most college athletes don't get into the prof- professional but mm-hmm. they sure did get a good scholarship yep. you know they yeah i couldn't i actually didn't think about that until this moment that you mentioned it but i now that you say it i boy do i wish that that had been said mm-hmm. because mom is so intent on the education aspect of it and i like that is just such a natural thing for it to bleed into. It would have been an easy mention from Lamont to mom too. Oh, of like, yeah. I didn't pay for school. Yeah, that's because true. Of, like he at the at the uh, dinner at the rabbis, mm. he could have like that could have come up, mm-hmm. and I think it 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 would have been nice to hear. I don't need it because I think her view is part of what makes her the antagonist of the film. Um, but it it would have been an easy mention. It also would have been. Uh, it would have undermined her her arc totally. a little bit, yeah, I think. Yeah. I don't know about you both, but I thought it was absolute comedy. So Alex convinces his teammates that we need to go meet the second coming of Judah Maccabee, mm-hmm. Lamont Carr. And you have this gaggle of teenage boys who are huddled <laughs> by a chain link fence Watching a grown man just shoot some hoops, just shoot some baskets. Oh, that's all he wants to do. And it's it's literally like this weird sort of like Lord of the Flies nomination situation where they're like, all right, Alex, I'm going to go talk to him. And he's like, hey, you're going to coach us to do this. Your name is Lamont Carr. You played for Virginia. You're here now and you're going to coach us for $40. You got injured. Your career's over. <laughs> you have nothing but time. You can coach us now. I was like, this is going a little far, dude. Whoa. <laughs> I just love Lamont Carr's reaction to it. He's like, what? <laughs> it was a little Again, shock. He's just tried to play, like to just de-stress and yeah. shoot some hoops. And now this kid's back to be like, you're a piece of shit. Here's $40. <laughs> oh, not even $40. Here's $20 up front. Yeah. I'll give you the other 20 after you coach us. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, first of all, shrewd businessman. But then well done. Lamont Carr hits him with some very good one-liners. For starters, he goes, that's my team because the team is trying to practice and obviously they're terrible. And he goes, my condolences. <laughs> Great line. And then he goes, we've lost 20 games in a row. And Lamont Carr goes, that's it. <laughs> Another great line. <laughs> it's just Lamont Carr's character is so likable in this movie for so many different reasons. I was just, oh, God, it's so good. Also, there is some karmic justice in Alex is being a little shit. And so Lamont takes his $20 and then makes them do wind sprints. And yeah. it's like, it's like, I hope it was worth the money. <laughs> He's like, the only, like, you guys are bad. The only thing I know that will make you better fast is conditioning. I'm going to make you want to die. And you paid me. For I like it. how one of the kids, I think it was uh, Schwartz, is like, we paid for this. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> what a good, like, what a good acknowledgement of like, we're dying here. The thing that I, I, as that scene was ending, and it's, it's winter in Philly. It's coming up on Hanukkah. I, oh my I understand. Gosh. But we we end that shot and you see what they're all wearing. And they've got like 
jeans. I made flannel, the same. I thought the flannel. same thing. And I was like, why are we working out in jeans? Yes, yeah, sweatpants like, exist. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I get it's cold, but we should have on different clothes. Like, right. They're wearing like just their school clothes. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, like, what is happening? I. I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't even have tennis shoes on. Like, I wouldn't be shocked oh, if they sure. had, like, their school shoes on. Sure. It, oh, God, it was great. And I think this scene was so well done because it's punctuated with us as an audience figuring out Lamont's situation. Mm-hmm. So you have Lamont coaching. He gets paid. He gets the second 20. Great one line of, like, maybe pay me before you get all sweaty mm-hmm. and gross, which I thought was very funny. And then we find out that Lamont is homeless. He's living in his van. Mm. not and to not to take away from the homeless thing but did you ever get gross like sweaty money working at disney or anywhere else uh yes so i worked in merchandise and i got boob money i got bra money multiple I, times like just i get it it's gotta be rough to well, like, we don't have pockets in our clothes yeah, so we gotta no put pockets. we gotta put stuff somewhere but i have i have seen like a full reach into the brazier and when it like it is it it's, was moist it's damp Mm-hmm. it's like, like you're afraid you're gonna rip it putting mm-hmm. it in your drawer gross yeah. yeah it was not good not good i the, you, if you have to like shake it before it goes in the drawer <laughs> it's a bad day mm-hmm. very bad day uh yeah had had boob money before not good yeah so we find out lamont's situation and you are immediately endeared to him i think because i mean that's just a tough situation period and then to find out that like he's he's also like engaging with the kids and doing really well like it i was just like ah i'm like i immediately i'm rooting for you now in this situation it's not just even like alex is like no lamont i want you to also be successful in this as well which i thought was nice i thought that this was an interesting theme and you know i'm gonna say something i wouldn't normally say about decom but i would have liked to have seen more of this I'm not, I'm usually like cut some of these themes that we don't pay off. But Mm. in this one, I'm kind of like, man, I I think that there's something here as an antithesis to mom, which is he talks a lot about like, this is where we find out that he has a kid and that he has a a wife uh, and that he is not with them because he's here in Philly trying to get a tryout with the 76ers and trying to make this dream come true. And he says like, big dreams take sacrifice. And as an antithesis to mom's like, don't chase your dreams thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting, but Mm -hmm. we don't really get a lot of that. Like ultimately Lamont has the like, find a new dream ending. It's not about big dreams take sacrifice. It's like fine, which is interesting as a parallel to mom because mom's now coming around to like keep chasing your dream. And Alex is sort of in the middle, right? Like it's it's a weird that how that all plays out is a little weird to me. But I think that that line of like big dreams take big sacrifices is interesting um, as part of this story. It also gives Alex who you again are, are meant to be following, it gives him a variety of perspectives. And then I think at the end, what they don't do a good job of, as you mentioned, again, this movie does a lot right. I'm not, I'm not dunking on this movie at all. <laughs> but I think this movie should have done something like where Alex recognizes that, you know, there are multiple avenues and pathways to take. And it, do, it just cuts. It just, there's a fade to black moment uh, before he's able to actually process that. Mm-hmm. We have... Lamont being paid under the table 
by a group of 14-year-olds. And they are trying to find different ways to pay Lamont for his coaching services under the table. Uh, Even with Alex going so far as to sell a a basketball player's card that he got for his bar mitzvah. Were basketball player cards a thing? I mean, Mm -hmm. clearly. I I didn't collect them, obviously. I always knew baseball cards were a thing, but I didn't realize it expanded. Yeah, like a like a Jordan rookie car. Like, yeah, there's. Oh, that's a, that that's worth a lot of money. You're not wrong. Oh, yeah, well, we can find out right now. But yes, I'm sure it would be. Uh, I think that we are weaving out. I know you mentioned it mm-hmm. of a of a doctor fellowship program for mom, but it's about to be an important plot device. Yeah, which is that mom tells Alex at one point one evening, like, "Hey, my hospital is hosting a." shadow program where kids are going to be able to come and shadow doctors for a week. You follow them around, you see what the job is like. Would you be willing to consider it? And he's like, I'll consider it. And then the next time you see her, she goes, you got in. And he was like, I, I didn't. And she's like, you're going, you're, you're doing the thing. You're going to do it. You're going to shadow this doctor. You're going in. And Julie, this is maybe the only role that she plays, I guess, is that Julie's like, you like that's a famous doctor you it would be great if you and he's like then you go and so julie goes on his behalf and he doesn't go mm-hmm. uh he keeps practicing basketball and trying to raise money to pay lamont yes and i love that they opened up a coffee stand with the espresso with the espresso machine mm-hmm. that they have at, at alex's house i was like well that's very ingenious you got a group of I got a group of teens running a coffee stand for a buck twenty five for a for a double. Um, That's a steal, is, honestly. Yeah, I'd get coffee from them. Uh, well, they're making they're making bank. They're it's a popping stand. It's so popping, in fact, that Mrs. Klein, who we've we've seen a couple of times in this movie thus enter, far, enter the pod, Mrs. Klein, a wonderful character. I I I didn't know like. When she first came in here, I was like, wow, she is just neuroses. Like, she is just neurotic. Oh, wonderful. And then I was like, you're awesome. <laughs> She's going to end this movie as a wonderful uh, She starts it as like, so she is the principal of the school, which is sort of paired with the rabbi who, who they are each other's sort of partner in crime in the, in the school system. Uh, and she is I'm convinced she's omnipresent within the school. She is everywhere. Mm-hmm. She's like always catching stray basketballs, always watching kids, what they're doing. She's in a vehicle, always knows where this group of eight boys are at all times. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you like running a coffee stand? Calls mo- Alex's mom. And this is how Alex's mom figures out that he's not at the shadow program. Yeah. Cause mom says, Oh no, Alex is shadowing doctor, whoever. And then finds out Alex is not shadowing the doctor. Alex is selling coffee on the side of the road. You know, I also enjoyed Mrs. Klein. This is not the first time that oh, I have boy. enjoyed yeah, here we are. Sheila McCarthy's fine acting skills. At least some comfy chairs for her. It's true. Yeah. She played Gwenna Krupp in House Arrest, one of my favorite movies from childhood. Did y'all ever see House Arrest? No. It's about a bunch of kids that lock their parents in the basement because they're all going to get divorced or they have familial problems. So they like basically are like, nope, we don't accept this. And it starts with 
the main kid locking his parents who are Kevin Pollock and Jamie Lee Curtis mm. in the basement and he's like no you guys can work this out and then his friends catch wind and they're like well my parents suck and they like lock all the parents in the basement it's very funny huh highly recommend anyway she's one of the moms that gets locked in the basement uh, and speaking again Jamie Lee Curtis is the main mom in the movie she plays uh, Janet Beindorf uh, you may know Jamie Lee Curtis also played Tess Coleman the mom in Freaky Friday yeah with Lindsay Lohan um, and when you have a movie, you need someone to create props. Mm. You need a sculptor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And sculpting fine works of art on Freaky Friday was Gray Hill. Mm. But wouldn't you know it, he also sculpted things for 1998's cinematic masterpiece, Armageddon. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. What did, what did he sculpt? Uh, the asteroid, probably. A spaceship, uh-huh. perhaps. I don't know. Wow. Uh, maybe he sculpted the toy that young Tommy would receive at the end of the movie. If you remember Coach Yost, uh-huh. uh, he's not allowed to see his son, but then the, the mother realizes he's a hero and he gets to see him at the end. Anyway, that kid's name is Tommy, played by Dylan Christopher, who also played young Dudley in the Dudley Do-Right movie. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. The Brendan oh. Fraser one, yeah. wow. obviously. obviously. Yeah. And, Brendan Fraser. and uh, in the Dudley Do-Right movie, playing Nell Fenwick, is one SJP, Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm-hmm. She's pro- mo- probably most notably known for uh, Carrie Bradshaw in Sex mm-hmm. and the City. And um, interesting that this character would come up. Um, at one point, her love interest is a guy named Vaughn, uh, who she loves his family, who's actually a big Jewish family. It's very, it's kind oh. of funny to tie in. Uh, she goes over for, for um for dinner, and they, they do a whole thing. And it's, it's very fun. She loves the family. She doesn't love Vaughn, though. Vaughn uh, either can't get it up or uh, finishes too early. Mm, and by too early, I mean like seconds. Mm. Like oh, oh. before pants are even off, Vaughn mm. is, he's close to the scene. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It doesn't work out. Vaughn's played by Justin Thoreau, oh. who in uh, Charlie's Angels plays Seamus O'Grady. Mm-hmm. Famous O'Grady. It sounds like he should be in Luck of the Irish, He honestly. should be in Luck of the Irish. And, uh, you know, Charlie's Angels is great. There's a lot of really impactful female characters in, in Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lucy Liu, Drew Barrymore, uh, Cameron Diaz. But I think the most impressive character was Woman at Crime Scene. <laughs> Amazing ah, work. Memorable. Amazing oh, work wow. by Melissa McCarthy. Oh. Who, obviously, is since had much bigger roles uh one of those roles that put her on the scene i would say was when she played megan in bridesmaids or Suzy mm-hmm. st james and gilmore girls yeah huh what? who huh she was the chef of first the independence in and then the dragonfly uh-huh. in of uh-huh. course that she would go on to co-own with laura Lai after the independence in caught on fire and the cost to get it back to its fully operational state was going to be too much the owner decided ultimately they would sell it now this is of course the same end that when laura Lai ran away from home with rory upon having a child she would live in the storage shed in the back of the independence inn um, and would be put up there and allowed to live there and work as 
uh, a maid and then ultimately work up to managing the Independence Inn. So she was crushed when it was going to be closed, but this allowed her to live her dream of opening her own inn, again, with her best friend, Sue St. James, played by Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, and in Bridesmaids, <laughs> she uh, she very comically seduces her real-life husband, who's playing a, uh, a an undercover cop on, on the plane in the airplane bathroom. You guys remember that scene? Very, very funny. Mm-hmm. That's her real husband, which is delightful. Also in Bridesmaids, another of the Bridesmaids is Rita. Uh, who is the blonde who's ready to just fucking rage. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's played by Wendy McLennan Corey, who I know best as Beverly Goldberg in The Goldbergs, which is a hilarious sitcom. I don't think it gets enough credit. Very, very good show. Um, and on The Goldbergs, one of the high school students that has a recurring bit and is in quite a few episodes as being the kid that's like, are you sure you're still in high school like you seem way too old to be in high school that character's name is johnny atkins and he is played by sean marquette who in this film plays one of our basketball players schwartz big ben schwartz big ben schwartz big old ben schwartz yeah i'm now realizing as i look at the cast alex d Linz, who is alex schlotsky was also you've used him in an armageddon before. yeah he was young tarzan yeah I didn't want to use him again in that same role because, you know, it's, you know, I like to mix it up sometimes. But he was in Tarzan. He's also in Max Keeble's Big Move. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. So, we. Wait, hold on. Was he in a decom? No, no I, I went from. So I connected him somehow to something. I think I used him with Tarzan uh, you, to get to. I thought that he, that you went from a decom to Tarzan. Was I he, had to get to President Fitzgerald Grant somehow. Alex D. Linz. Let's just go to his filmography real quickly while we're here, because I've got it open. He is. I can just start in Home Alone three. He's in the Ginny Project. Yeah. Oh, is he the younger brother? Yeah. Well, it's a community theater return. That must be, yeah, I must have used him to go then to Tony Goldwyn, who was adult Tarzan from Scandal. Right. Yes. Huh. Because it wasn't his first time hanging out with apes. Yeah. True. Yeah, that was a great joke. Incredible joke. I want to commend myself for that joke. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick pat on the back. Thank you. Okay, so we have all of this playing out, and ultimately it leads to the discovery of Lamont being the unofficial coach of these boys. However, there's one moment that I do want to call out because Lamont has given these kids a lot of really great advice in between all of the coaching. And there's one line that I want to call out. It's after he's coached these kids for a minute and they've done some sprints. They've started shooting. And I think one of them says, like, what do you expect from us? We're just a bunch of Jewish boys trying to play basketball. And he's like, don't do that. Don't put yourself in a box ever. I liked that, too. I I was like, that's such a that's just such a good and real thing mm-hmm. to say because i mean like that's they're those kids are clearly trapped in that cycle mm-hmm. of saying that in this story and that's a really nice disruptor for them i thought you were gonna say when he said you're my dogs and i have a lot said, of questions about what's that? that mean and they were like <laughs> first you make us run and then you call us dogs <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I and then he makes them bark later <laughs> Yeah, I don't get why they're doing that because they're the lions. They should be roaring. But they should be like, roar, roar, roar. Oh, my God. They should be roaring. I don't care what they're doing. I'm just happy that we have that on audio. Oh, you're going to be like a little scrappy dog? They're not from Hounded. 
Oh, God. Don't insult these I children. I fucking loved him. He was like, now bark. <laughs> I was, was like, why, like are why are they not being lions? Why are they not being lions? Y'all dogs. Yeah, I, I literally wrote in my notes. I was like, ah, yes, they're now learning slang. <laughs> like, good good for them. That was a weird. Uh, I don't know why we needed that. Uh, I, I don't care. It was incredible. I mean, I love that he made all those kids bark, so I don't care at all. But <laughs> oh, dude, it, it was, was so a good. weird it was so good thing. so good uh but in this moment this is when again lamont is sort of discovered as their coach Th- there's a lot of conflict here but it ultimately results in lamont being invited to rabbi lewis's home for a meal where he will meet alex's parents he'll meet rabbi lewis uh and i can't remember rabbi, L- rabbi lewis's wife because she makes a mean gefilte fish uh as and liver i just i love this exchange i just love this exchange where they're having there's this some tension around the table between specifically Alex's mom and they're talking about the different traditions of of you know when they can have things when they can't and he says you know I'm not Jewish and Rabbi Lewis goes yes I suspected that <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I love Rabbi Lewis I really I, like the rabbi too yeah I like I like how he in that moment Lamont clearly is out of his element he doesn't he asks for milk. And has to get explained to him like we don't we don't consume dairy after uh, meat and I like that the rabbi is like there's one of the traditions it might be that one that he says it comes from this thing which doesn't really make any sense anymore like it doesn't have any translation that makes any sense in the current language and I just like that he is welcoming there's some pushback of like well should we have uh a uh, non-Jewish person at the school. And he's like, well, you know, it's like that song from that grocery store says like, and he's just very warm in this moment. It it would be a place. It would be easy to exclude. And the rabbi works to include. I really liked it as well on all parts, because I also thought Lamont who initially wanted nothing to do with this kid mm-hmm. is now pretend is at a dinner that he probably doesn't want to go to mm-hmm. like it's uncomfortable he doesn't know these people he's going to be put in the hot seat like this kid's mom's not being super welcoming to him like he's kind of out of his element but i like that he also makes an effort and tries because he tries the gefilte fish and then the rabbi's wife is like do you want some chopped liver and he's like absolutely let's try it like he also is very mm-hmm. willing to try and step out of his comfort zone and that's welcomed really well i thought it was a really good scene i don't totally know why he does it if i'm honest i think that your point is super valid of like if i'm lamont and i've been taking money from these kids under the table to coach them at that do i show up for that dinner i i don't know you know i do think there's a line Shortly after Alan, the one you called out, um, where the kids are saying something like, how do you think we're doing or like what expectations? And he specifically says like, uh, we Mm -hmm. versus you and they call it out. They're like, you said we. Um, And so he is starting to see himself as part of this. And I think that line inclusion helps me get there. But I don't totally understand why he wants but, to be at this dinner. Honestly, part of me is like he lives in his van. He wants food. Sure. I Super fair. The, because when he ate the gefilte fish, he, he was like, I enjoy. And I think that his enjoyment of it is, one, I'm sure 
it's nice to have a home cooked meal mm-hmm. he has not had. Even it like that in and of itself has to be a nice change of pace. And the fact that he's surprised that he likes it, he's like, tech with it, bring on more. Like, I'll try new things. Let's do the thing. Because ultimately what happens is Lamont accepts a coaching job at the school on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. So Lamont is getting to live the best of all of the worlds right now. And the kids are getting a coach. And Rabbi Lewis is able to sort of like extend that olive branch. And like it's just... It's just win after win after win after win after win. It's a it's a good situation for everybody. I have a problem with mom here, which I know I have a problem with mom the whole time, but I had a really specific problem with mom here because mom is very against this guy coaching because she doesn't want the kids to get distracted from their studies to go to basketball practice. But theoretically, weren't, weren't they already going to basketball practice? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? Well, they were studying on the bench. I, I agree that I think this piece is a little weak. I think that maybe maybe her point of view is what has been sort of an extracurricular is now being encouraged to get good. And previously they didn't have a coach. They probably didn't do practices. They probably just showed up at games and played and then lost, right? And by having a full-time coach, now there's going to be practice now there's gonna be time that's gonna be invested and i and i would make the assumption that previously that hasn't Mm. existed i just assumed they always had practice whether or not it was productive probably not but i'd assumed there was always an hour after school or whatever that yeah yeah, yeah. they are again overtly selling mom as antagonist here because that's the point i mean at at the minimum he's with his friends after school hanging Mm. out like it's not like he was home studying because he's on the basketball court with his friends well they make it well I actually don't know if I agree with that because they make a point to have like every single one of the kids on that basketball team makes a point to talk about their studies at some point throughout this. Like the, the academia piece of this movie is very heavily emphasized Mm -hmm. throughout to the point where like they even have a, we get this later. We have a study group when Alex doesn't do well on an assessment. Like they are, that to me is, is a strength. I think of that friend group Mm -hmm. willing to be there even in the academic stuff, when we've seen in other decoms, people put that down. Like, mm-hmm. why are you trying so hard at school? Right? We've, we've seen that be belittled. It might be even more subtle than what I said, Molly, which might be, if we do this, then we are implying that maybe they have a chance um, or maybe they like mm. can make a shot and therefore Alex will be preoccupied with like, we have to win the tournament versus the sort of foregone conclusion that they're going to lose, right? Mm-hmm, like maybe. now you're putting ideas in his head, yeah. so to speak. And that's going to take over uh, everything. She already wants out. to stifle that. Yeah. yeah. Also at one point, I think it's around this time, mom is talking to Alex and she says, karma. Mm. And he's like, it's mojo mom. Nobody under 50 says karma. And Taylor Swift would like to have a word. Mm. Because that is like her number yeah. one song right now. I don't actually know that. I'm not a Swifty. <laughs> but I know that there's a song called Karma. And I can sing the 15 seconds of it that are in TikToks. Mm-hmm. So I just don't. I don't know that that statement and applies any longer. Matters. 20 years later, that statement is false. There you go. Because Karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a cat. Karma something. Karma. Is the, is the line Karma something Karma? Karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a bug. I'm not a Swifty, but my TikTok is just people going to Taylor Swift concerts. Yeah, oh, well. I get it. And after we have this scene, 
at the dinner table, I think we have perhaps one of my favorite sequences, maybe top three favorite sequences in a decom. Okay. So we have the coaching has been ongoing. We continue to have interactions between Rabbi Lewis and uh, Lamont. They're getting a close relationship where, you know, Lamont says to Rabbi Lewis, like, you'd make a great assistant coach. And Rabbi Lewis is like, you'd make a great storyteller or historian, like, because of what they're doing and, and, and enforcing sort of the, again, the story of Hanukkah and the Maccabees onto the basketball strategy. And I thought that was just a beautiful scene. Followed, and then we'll, we'll go back and like dive into each of these. I just want to lay out the sequence. Followed by Alex, you know, stealing his friend's bike, following uh, Lamont to finding out that Lamont is living in his van under under an overpass them having a nice meal together, them bonding and getting close, uh, Alex learning about Lamont's story, and then Alex sort of being there to help Lamont get a, you know, you know have a living situation that's not in an, over, uh, in an underpass, right? That entire sequence, which, is, which takes about 20 to 25 minutes in this movie, I just adored. I thought that it was a really nice way to show the relationship building between those two characters Especially when you juxtapose that with how that started, like with Alex just in, you know, interposing himself in Lamont's life. I thought it was a really, a really interesting sequence. And it's made all the stronger by when we get to sort of the academic part later. But I just, I just loved it. And I was, I was curious as to how you two felt about that. I love when Alex steals his friend's bike and like, that's just Schultz doing Schultzy things. That's, like, that's a, that's a, schlotz. Schlotz. That's, 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 that's a, that's a common refrain. They say that a lot. That's just schlotz. I'm like thief being a thief is, is what, what Alex does. Mm-hmm. I'm confused by that. No, I, but I just, I was curious as to what you both thought. Beyond the mom issue. One thing I noticed in this movie is like, I feel like all the problems resolve almost immediately mm-hmm. uh-huh. like and i don't i can't decide if i like that or don't like that because there's a lot of times in decoms where there's five or six different problems and then they rush to wrap them all in the last 10 minutes which i don't like but it literally felt like in this movie it's like we need a coach we found a coach uh the coach can't they don't want us to coach under the table well the rabbi likes basketball so he can coach here oh well he doesn't have a house well we got him a house like it's like besides the overarching issue every little thing pops up and it's immediately resolved mm-hmm. it pops up and it's immediately resolved. And I was like, uh. I think this movie could use some editing. The like big dreams take big sacrifices is just as impactful. If it's simply, I'm not with my kid and my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't need him to be living in a van under a bridge. And he could be broke as a joke living in a shitty apartment, but states away from his kid and his wife. And that's big dreams take big sacrifices. And if you do that, you don't need the apartment scene. I don't really see value in either of those pieces of the sequence. I love the sequence where they're doing the practice and the rabbi shares the story. Mm-hmm. Of that was great. Judah putting all of their uh, the caves to the right so that the enemy would have to fight with their left hand like and and using their weakness and and that impacts the way the kids play basketball. Yeah. And they he makes a strategic change and it uses the story that they're trying to impart on you through a thing that is easy to engage with and approach and that's basketball, right? And so loved that scene. It immediately connects you to Rabbi, immediately connects Lamont to the Rabbi. 
uh, it connects you back to the Hanukkah story. I don't, I think you could have left him living in the van and the apartment scene on the cutting room floor. I, I think the reason I enjoyed it so much is because it ties those things up because they've already been introduced. This is a way of, of in the story very quickly saying, all right, that's taken care of that's taken care of that. I, I understand that like that could have been cut and it could have gone away and we could have, you know, reduced 20 minutes of, of screen time. But if we're not going to do that, then at least resolve them and do it in a way that builds character relationships and doesn't overcomplicate the problem. Because my biggest issue with DCOMs in the past is that we have so many plot threads that are overcomplicated. And what I want to I want to really commend this movie for is there were a lot of things happening and we very quickly just marked them off the list. Mm-hmm. Does that mean they shouldn't have been there? Maybe. But at least we're not drawing them out. And I think I enjoyed that where I was like, okay, now I don't have to worry about him being homeless. Okay, now I don't have to worry about him <laughs> losing his job because he can't put an address on the thing. Like I, I don't have to worry about these things. Now I just need to worry about the kid playing basketball, having to deal with the conflict that we need, that we're all worried about, which is with mom. And, you know, maybe we'll deal with Lamont having the basketball thing. And maybe we'll deal with that down the road, like that in the back of our mind. I'd, but all this other stuff that is superfluous, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And we get to see, you know, Alex's dad and Lamont meet and have like a, a, a weird. <laughs> well, they, weird they met at the moment. dinner. Well, no, like re- meet like solo is what I intended. I say. do like the relation. The thing I like about the apartment scene is that we get a dad to be a good dad. We mm-hmm. get dad's help, which is nice because, again, we usually have dad be the problem. But even like we're coming up on the grades scene that gets resolved one scene later. Like, I just feel like every problem and I don't mind the grades being a problem. I think that's an important part to the whole story. But like. Let's let it take a couple scenes. Like I also think the writing in the grades scene is is not great because of the grade he gets. But yeah, I think ultimately from watching all these decoms, what it feels like is that there is an aversion, probably because of audience, to go deeply into one or two things. And instead, it's almost like we need to have five things going on because mm-hmm. that's how you keep it moving. And that's how you keep attention. And that's like in a world where the short form content dominates social media, I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, that feels really normal uh, after watching all of these. And so it's not surprising. I do think it's a better movie without the apartment um, scene. Cause I don't think it adds value. I think the impact of what he says there of sacrifice is important is present regardless of him being homeless. Uh Um, And I think that not having it there would, would free up time. I don't want the movie to be 20 minutes shorter, but I would love to have just more time invested in other things. And I'm going to be honest, I feel the same fucking way at the end of this movie too. I, I, we're not there yet, but I don't think the film sticks the landing at all. Oh, no, I, I agree the film doesn't stick it at all. I, I think to your point, let's say, give us 20 more minutes to the academia. It maybe let's explore that a little bit more. Sure, because that's a, that's a, right? that's a, that's mm-hmm. a mom concern. I think that would be better. That, like, let's say, let's say we cut it all out. We go, we, maybe the dad is the realtor and the dad, like, helps Lamont with his, with his real estate thing. Like, maybe that's, that's the inclusion with the realtor, if you, even if you need to have it. But, yeah, I don't think you need it at all. But if you, let's just say that all goes away. Now he gets a C that ultimately the great issue is that 
Rabbi Lewis has to give Alex a C on an assessment that he takes. Um, he doesn't tell his mom. Mom finds out by looking in his in his backpack, and that's like when the blow up happens. And it would have been more impact. Like to your point, let's just spend twenty minutes on that. Mom's Why did he get a fucking F? Like because yeah. then they go to a game, and Lamont sits him. He benches him because he says you failed history. You don't get to play. He didn't fail history. He got a C. And as we know, C's get degrees. So <laughs> it's true. I it's true. I don't understand. Why didn't he get a fucking F? Mm-hmm. I just I, I like a C plus is not that bad. If if you got twenty more minutes, he fails. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he works and he gets a C and then he works and he gets the B plus, right? Like, and you have more of a journey to get there and he has to sit his ass on that bench and earn his spot back. Right. Mm -hmm. But instead, to your point, Molly, he starts with a C, which isn't a failing grade. He gets benched for no reason. And then the next scene, he gets to just retake. He gets a, yeah, that's my point. He conveniently gets to retake the test, which he should have to study for a new test to pull his grade up. It should be like, we have, you know, two more tests this year. You need to, you need these things to pull your grade back up. Not, I'm going to let you retake the test. Well, well, I I will disagree on one thing. He gets benched so that he can inexplicably ruin his relationship with Julie. Well, yeah. Like, like, I mean, also a waste of time. Like that, that to me, I was like, why is this here? Yeah. Like also she here. Yeah. Yeah. It it was when he said that, I was like, what is it? Literally all he says is like, I don't even know why you come to my games. And she's like, do you not want me to? He's like, I don't know. And she leaves. I was like, what? What? I also don't know why she comes why to the caves. Like it's a legitimate. Alex is asking what all of us are asking. Like why are you here? We don't know. Um, yeah, and that to your point, Molly gets resolved with mommy. Like you should forgive Alex <laughs> down the road, and it just fixes itself. Can can I back it up a little bit to Lamont's sure. family? I don't know if you guys felt this, but I guess. I didn't pay attention enough to notice he was wearing a wedding ring. So the way he presents his family, I thought he had a kid out of wedlock and I thought Disney channel was being brave. I actually don't know for sure. Is it confirmed? He has a wedding ring on. I looked, I looked after this scene, but the way he introduces his, he says, says, this is my high school sweetheart. And then he doesn't say this is my son. Like the way that he dances around it being his son, I thought this was Disney's way of not acknowledging that he had a kid out of wedlock because he says something like, and this is this little guy, Trey, or something like it is his son, but the way it's done, it wasn't super obvious the way he introduced it. And I was like, whoa. And then that didn't turn out to be true. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was kind of a bait and switch there because I also got that. My read was. They they are not married. They are just to, they are right. Yeah, that's what I thought it was like, or that they had him in high school, a a young parent parenting mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. I did like now when he gets benched is when we first get the barking. Yeah, which God. I fucking love. I hate it because yeah, the, I love the setup was great. <laughs> Wait. He's like, you guys, you're, you're all dogs. You're right? my dogs. dogs are they dogs bark. like D-A-W-G dogs? 
Well, they're yeah. not Georgia Bulldogs, well, but like closed captioning said DOGS. I'm gonna tell you right now, I had it on. I thought it was like a. I thought it would be like a <laughs> for science. <laughs> I, I watch. I watch it all with they're on there because I feel like I miss. I thought it was like a Randy Jackson. It's a no for me, dog kind yeah, of dog. No, I think it no, is. No, yeah, it's, I think it's it is. But DOG dog. But. <laughs> I, it was such like a fun sequence because I, I was like, where it. are we going with this barking? I loved it. I Wait, Max, it. I want to ask you a question. You love Mrs. Klein. Yeah. How do you not love the apartment scene? Uh, because that's Klein. that's not why I like her. Okay. I like her at the end of this movie. When she's into the basketball. When she, when she goes from being an uptight principal to being a fanatic. Oh, <laughs> 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 yes! <laughs> Overnight. So excited. I like the scene where she's yelling at the rabbi for being too laid back and like she she runs a tight ship around here and he's like sometimes you gotta have a little fun and he takes a piece of paper and he crumples it up and he tries to shoot it into a fruit bowl and he misses and he's like i insist you try Mm -hmm. and she makes it and she's like oh she freaks out she gets so excited the moment where she like starts the switch and then and he looks at her like Mm-hmm. See, sometimes you, you so. have to be a little silly and have a little fun. Yeah, and it, by the end of this movie, she is just like ape shit for basketball. <laughs> it's and amazing. I love it. Like her, her evolution's great. I will say, I I do think this great thing gets resolved too conveniently. But I loved the team helping him study. Scenes. Yes, that was. I very thought cool. it was awesome. I thought it was awesome that we had that scene of his four guy friends that each one of them were quizzing him on different elements of the of the test and like helping him learn. I thought it was an awesome scene. It was nice to have that friend moment. And also like, we haven't really had a big guy group bonding moment like that represented in a DCOM. That's right. Yeah. Now, I have, I have a question. Yeah. I guess we can lump them all together because we don't get a ton of character development on any of them, which I think is fine, by the way. We don't Perfect. need it. it They're the, one note. It's the gotta kick it up yeah. desire, right? Um, oh. Collectively, Phantom of the Megaplex. are they better than Gilbert? Ooh, yes. yeah. 100%. I think yes. I think yes. Yeah. It Because of this scene, if nothing else. I agree. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Couldn't agree more. They get together, they study. Alex ends up getting a B plus on his retake, which just feels like Rabbi Lewis being like, yeah, have a retake and also though okay maybe i'm being too picky maybe i don't know what else is on the test but the test appears to be the history of hanukkah right yeah they're 14 by the time you were 14 did you not know the story of christmas like i feel like i feel like how do you not know this information because when you go to molly he did he just wasn't dribbling an invisible (laughs) basketball it's true. As soon That's as true. Dribbling I just, I just am like, I, I know you, but like, you have to learn a lot of stuff for your bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I obviously don't know specifically, but like, you have to learn a lot of like Jewish history and things for to to present at your bar mitzvah. And like, he's theoretically been going to the synagogue since he was a child, and you learn these kind of things the same way we learn the story of. Christmas, like, I just find it hard to believe that this is the history test he's failing. In in a weird moment of me actually knowing things, I've been to two bar mitzvahs. I've been to multiple bar mitzvahs. They're awesome. They're, they're a blast. Specifically the dance parties? Giggity. Loved it. 
Uh, but giggity? Giggity, not giggity. <laughs> it's probably not giggity. No, yeah, giggity. I just want to be clear. Of all the things for it to be, it's not giggity. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, uh, I, I, I was thirteen. It was not I giggity. No, we're talking I gotta, about a thirteen-year-old child. Oh, I don't mean it in a sexual way. That's, That's what, what giggity is. I guess I've just learned something to see this evening. Here we are. I did not mean it that way, listener. I'm so sorry. But no, both of my cousins for their bar mitzvah, we went there and like, I remember talking to them afterwards. Like, you have yeah, Jewish cousins? It. Yeah. Where? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. But just know that I've been to two bar mitzvahs and they were for my cousins. And afterwards, I remember talking to both of them. They're like, yeah, we memorized it and then we were good. Yeah. I have, I have, I had many... Jewish friends, and I went to their bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs, and they were awesome. Never been to a bat mitzvah. Well, it's this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the same thing, but the lady equivalent. And let me just say, these are like, you know, on MTV there was that show, My Super Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There should have been one for bar mitzvahs because they were wild. Mm. Okay, great, wild, but certainly not giggity. No, I mean wild. <laughs> I mean wild and like. The locations they were held at, the party favors, the the food. Like looking back as an adult, these were not cheap experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's the it is the coming of age, like the coming of like age it was like wedding celebration. Like it was like I remember uh, one kid had a full brought a Dippin' Dots card in with a ah, Dippin' Dots guy. Multiple people had candy bars, like going to they a candy store. A mall. <laughs> <laughs> a galleria if you will a galleria. That's right. yeah it, i mean these were like awesome events i have to call out that there's this line in this test scene that the rabbi said and i noticed it because i was like you've said that three times i think where he said anything on your mind alex besides your yarmulke of course <laughs> he loves and that I, joke you love the line he loves he that said joke. it so many times and i was like good one rabbi <laughs> yet again <laughs> you got him i feel like that's just like He's just like, always going to have that one in the back pocket. Right. Besides your yarmulke, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, observational humor, Rabbi. Well yeah. done. Um, so he gets the B-plus on the test. He is able to play for the team once more. And as soon as he has the B-plus on the test, the team finds out that Lamont has gotten a 10-day contract after going and playing uh, a game of pickup one-on-one with one of his friends who's in the NBA. And the kids are sad. An actual NBA player, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name, but it's a it's a actual basketball player. And the kids are sad, and it leads to. I didn't like this. No, the kids are not. Sa- they're kind of dicks. Yeah. Uh, well, mainly Alex is the dick, and I didn't like this confrontation between the two of them because it didn't feel grounded at all, in my opinion. Where they're having like a who's being more selfish off between the two of them when it's. Alex, but I, I couldn't buy into that conflict between Alex and Lamont here. I, I didn't like the kid's reaction because he says, you know, I got called up. I'm going to go play like you guys can handle the tournament on your own. And I understand them being disappointed, obviously, but they act surprised like they didn't know this could happen mm-hmm. when this is literally the only way that Lamont signs on to do this job. They're all very aware of this possibility. It's not like and Gotta Kick It Up when they think the coach is going to leave them for another job and it seemingly comes out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Like, 
this has been a very real possibility the whole time. So I wish they had changed the dialogue from, but what about us? You're going to just abandon us for the tournament to just being like, man, that sucks. Like this timing's terrible. Like I, I understand let them have their emotions, but they're, they're being selfish and not treating Lamont fair. I I also really hate the line. And I mean, you could say it's acting out, which is fine, but I really hate the line from Alex where, where Lamont says, like, I got to take this. I got bills to pay. I got to provide for my family. And Alex has the audacity to say, what your family needs is you. Dude, yeah. I hate Dude, you're I 14. Like, Shut up. Whoa, bro. How about you chill the fuck out you're, right now? You're 14. Yeah. Like, well, he's like, maybe what your family needs is you, just like we do. And I'm like, you fuck off. Like, yeah, absolutely out of line. so out of line. Dude. Like, for starters, no. His family needs to pay bills. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't think you get to compare his actual child to this basketball team you started coaching a few weeks ago. Right? Yes. He's known these kids for a month. Yeah. What the what the actual fuck, bro? I, like, absolutely not. I mean, yeah. It's just like we all knew this was going to happen. Obviously, this was going to happen. Totally. But I just think they handled how everyone reacted to it poorly. Yep. Fully agree. I think these kids are better than that. I think that's why I don't totally. like it. I think these kids would have been happy for Lamont. Totally. And they didn't express that at all. Like, we have painted them as really good kids. We were just talking about that. And I think the reality is they would have been like, we're really happy for you, coach. We're just really bummed you can't be in the tournament. Not, what about us? And well, like... They actually do express that. But then Alex is a dick. Like, because mm-hmm. Lamont says, I thought you would have been happy for me. Yeah. And they and somebody says we are yeah but dot 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 and then Alex I think takes it he to the re- next. he like he negates it all negates it all which extends to the conversation that he has has with his mom mm-hmm. right because the next scene we get is Alex and his mom having a fight and mom being like I I don't exactly remember what she says to him but his response is you don't know Lamont and you don't know me and then leaves and I was like what. Oh, yeah, because his mom says something like, is this what you want to be? Basically, yeah, like, yeah. like you really want to be a grown man who leaves his family and isn't there to support them or isn't there and is like living kid. in his van. Like, yeah, it's it's not nice. It's it's a it's a, a sweeping judgment. Yeah. On Lamont. yeah, which is uncalled for. Yep. Um, so Alex goes to the person who has been the comfort mechanism for the majority of this film which is in it's either dad or the rabbi in this case it's rabbi lewis and rabbi lewis is like listen he's got to do what he's got to do i think it's time for you know somebody else to like step up and show leadership in this instance and alex alex's takeaway is oh i've got to be that person i will be judah maccabee That's right. i i am i will be the third coming of judah maccabee <laughs> wait i don't want to take us all the way back but i just have to bring one thing up that relates when he confronts Lamont about living in the van he says to them some of the guys think you're the ghost of Judah Maccabee reincarnated and I was like wait they actually think that because this whole (laughs) time I thought they were just doing it as a symbolic thing Mm -hmm. I didn't think for one second that any of these 14 year old kids actually thought that he was the reincarnated (laughs) spirit of their like holy figure and yet well apparently that is the case do you remember when they <laughs> Before I think it's like the second or third coaching session. This is way back in the film. Sorry, listener, but they they're like, all right, well, we need to quiz him. 
How many siblings did Judah Maccabee have? Yeah. Four. Oh, that, How, uh, that scene was nuts. That scene was nuts name? because that scene was nuts because he's like, and my brother died. I don't know you kids fucking at all. Let me unload my family trauma on you. Yeah. I was like, what Whoa, the fuck? That's not going like, to get resolved. Like if he uh, says, oh. if he goes, how many brothers? He just says four. Yeah. Like no shot. Does he like tell him one three died. i had a fourth he was a cop and he's dead i now. i oh do God. like the joke i like though is when one of them calls him judah and he's like what and he's like oh that's just jewish for mentor like <laughs> <laughs> i did laugh at that <laughs> but yeah so like they're like what's your dad's name so and so but it's short for matthew matthias yeah but like, wait, these kids don't really think that, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I think like, some of them I, I, okay, some I just have a hard time with that because there's like clearly very smart kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we end up getting to the tourney. This is what we're all we're here for the Liberty Tournament, right? And now Alex has to be the new Maccabee, and he is there to coach the team, and we get a great. Montage, sport montage. To the greatest song. Oh my God. <laughs> Yo. I fucking love the dreidel rap. The hip hop dreidel, dreidel, dreidel song. Dreidel. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. It's dreidel. the best original song in a decom thus far. 100%. And we just had the Cheetah Girls. I, this song crushes. Nothing, nothing Cheetah Girls has done compares to the dreidel rap song. I hope nothing more than we have that song right now playing behind us. It I hope she can so find good. it. I hope so. It dreidel, is. dreidel, 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 dreidel. Oh, so good. It's 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 so silly. It's so good. It's so. But then if you keep listening to the song, it's like, and then we'll perform a full court miracle. Oh, like yeah. they like it, bring in the oh, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Only the chorus is dreidel, dreidel. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, dude, I love it. So we have the lions winning. Dad shows up to cheer up Alex. We love or to cheer on Alex. We love to see it. Um. This entire this entire sequence is just winning when the Lions are performing well. The the full court press is paying off. Their strategy is working. The tournament is happening, and we see we see them win the first round. Uh, I will quickly mention earlier in this, the coach has sort of coached each individual person, and one of them is a kid that we see who has a, a an anger management problem. Yeah, he does. And the coach is like. What's, you know, what's the sweetest thing you can think of? And he says, Rebecca Bloomberg. And then he's like, okay, anytime you get mad at the ref, just think of your sweetheart, Rebecca Bloomberg. And I just fucking loved that. I think in the first game, he gets mad and he goes, I love you, Rebecca Bloomberg. And then it just cuts this girl we've never seen. She, she seems and excited, she's though. Very happy she's, about it. She's yeah. excited about Big this. Fan I, of I laughed out loud. I was like, that's funny. That's yeah. a funny cut. I like that. That whole part's great because he gives each of them a part of the body because, like, there's just a work together. Mm. And he gives one kid the butt. Yes, you have to rebound everything. You are the butt. It was funny. <laughs> Right. Um, and we're going to see ultimately that come back at the end. But uh, yeah, they, they win the first game. They move on. And you're watching their moving through the bracket and the Warriors, right? Because ultimately we know that's going to be the rival team. And I think it is after they win the semifinals. Yes. And they know they're moving on to the finals. That's when he talks to mom. And it's sort of there's a time gap here. And mom's mom. I think the, the conversation is mom going, tell me why. You like basketball so much, and, and Alex gets to gets to explain it. And he answers with the craziest <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> like, okay. Yeah. He's like, that feeling when I've got the ball in my hand, nothing else matters. It's just me and the ball. And I, like, it, it, I can't remember it. It's, I mean, you, that, it's, like it's it. pretty ridiculous. It just, it's so funny to me because I don't know that you could ask anyone, let alone a 14 year old boy, why they like something and expect an answer other than like, I just like it. Listen, <laughs> like, when he's got that ball in his hand. There's nothing else on the earth that matters. That's it right. just is such a ridiculous speech. Like, I'm sure if I thought about it hard enough, I could explain why I like sharks or Harry Potter or when I rode horses. Like, I could probably think of a good enough answer of why I like it. But I, in that moment, would just be like, I don't know. I just like it. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. <laughs> um, it's right after this. We get mom convincing Julie to forgive Alex. So Julie goes to the game with this sign that says miracles can happen. We have awesome Julie, excellent job holding a sign. Mom has to depart. We don't know where she's going, but she's not at the game. She's going to be there later. And this is when the storm that has been out there knocks out power. And we get a a clear equivalence of the Hanukkah story of the, the oil lasting for eight days to the gasoline and the generator that we are going to let run. And this is when the most insane rules that are agreed on as a basketball game occur. Where both sides are like, okay, we are going to play until this generator runs out of gasoline. When it runs out of gasoline, whoever has the most points wins. I, I, I don't like this ending. I think that it's so heavy-handed, this parallel to the Hanukkah mm-hmm. story. I think they've done a good job weaving this story throughout this movie up until this point that has made it approachable and I've learned a lot and I've connected with these kids and I've connected with how it impacts the story. And like, I love again, the rabbis connecting the story to how they should play and using defense as offense. All of that has been so good. I think that this ending of literally gasoline needing to run, not only is it way too ham fisted for me, the conflict here is that Lamont's not at the game. Like, the conflict is that their coach, who is coached, is not here. And... Yes. You know, spoiler alert, he's going to come back. And it's not going to have any impact. Nope. Because all of the conflict now is about will the fucking gas last long enough. The I just want to talk about this. Because we have the entire sequence. Like, we're calculating how long the, ga- the gas is going to last. That's that is all of it. And then we have the Lions making a comeback against the Warriors, right? Like there is a concerted effort to make a comeback. Meanwhile, meanwhile, mom is up there meeting Lamont, who is struggling with his vehicle, broke down on the side of the road, what have you. And while mom and Lamont are meeting, I don't understand what happened here. Maybe either of you can enlighten me. Mom stares into the lightning and receives an epiphany of some variety like she is hit with a stroke of sheer inspiration and something like off screen something occurs she just like grins knowingly like i have a plan if i mean if you if you listen to the song okay second verse Uh uh-huh when they came to dedicate the temple (laughs) 
how their hearts were heavy with despair and purities and idols all around them and just one jar of pure oil was there but with faith in god they cleansed the temple kindled that small lamp with hope and love then the story had a happy ending Uh eight days of blessed light came from above so alan if you take the lyrics of this song that i sang for so seven years above she went she had faith in god Uh, and blessed light came from above says it right there okay so my read on this situation was Uh a little bit simpler than that i'm probably wrong no singing was that (laughs) he was having a hard time with his car right and it wasn't working and my read was that it wasn't working because she hadn't gotten there yet and that they were like she was fated to find him because she needs to offer him this job or whatever. And if his car had worked, he would have already been gone. And so as soon as she shows up, she's like, just try it again. Because now I'm here. And like, it's worked out. But I'm probably wrong. But like, I, I read it as like, we're supposed to be here together. Yeah. That, and so all of this is a domino falling. That that was my read. She being like, it didn't, it's like the fates, are our, our, our powers combine. Your car will now turn on. I thought she was looking up at the sky, and no, she definitely. I think up it's at the all. Sky. I mean, I think it's all the same yeah, thing of just like of. But I just wanted to sing some more of the song. Well, no, I'm we are so pr- glad I, you did. I, I, hey, we learned. So the generator eventually runs out of fuel, and wouldn't you know it? As it runs out of fuel, the warriors are up by like eight. Um, the warriors call a timeout to be shisty to try to waste time on the fuel, which like. It's a strategy. I don't know that that's shysty. I see that happen in literally every football game I've ever watched. No, Normally, no. timeouts don't run clock down, and you're not you're not actually dealing with how long will the lights stay on. That's yeah. true, but it's still a strategy. It's yeah, sure. Uh, we're undeniably. I guess you have a time limit, though. Like they were going to run five minutes down, yeah. and in football, it's like no, you only have you have thirty yeah. seconds. Yeah, and this is when Mom and Lamont make their return to the scene. And the mom's like, why are you guys sad? You still, you got five minutes left to play. And like, but the gas is going to run up. But you got five minutes left to play. And would you know it? The algebra teacher is out there. He's done the math. He's, you're literally counting down the seconds. Three, two, one. Lights flicker. And the generator is still for a moment. Just long enough to let the warriors celebrate and taste victory on the tips of their tongue. That generator fucking stops. I'm just going to say it. They should have called it. They should have called the fucking game. Should the have. generator stopped running. Should have. It yeah. was not mm-hmm. operating. The mm-hmm. game should have ended there. Mm-hmm. But instead, because of miracles, the generator comes back on. There is no fuel to let it run, and the generator kicks back on. And you know that it's a miracle because Julie has changed her sign from miracles can happen. She's found a black sharpie, crossed out can, and wrote do. In really big letters. That's miracles do happen. And the miracle is the generator is going to stand for five more minutes. And wouldn't you know it, the lions are going to come back and beat the warriors. I did. I got a problem with it again. Fucking generator turned off before they had scored the game winning shot. 
I don't care that it was in the air. I understand that in basketball, True. a buzzer beater shot, if it's in the air, you you wait for the shot to fall. But their rules were, when that generator turns off, Who's ever whoever's up? up wins the fucking game. Oh. And that ball hadn't gone in yet. Also, I mean, over two, really. We do get another uh, Maccabee tyrant fever dream, which I enjoyed. True. Um, but do you ever feel bad for the other team? Like, in this I feel else. a little bad for the Warriors because they, to your point, should have won. They should have won twice. And I don't think they were that bad. They were not the nicest like a kids. a talking little kid, but like, that's every But it's kind of like how we were all glad Bridget won in Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off because she deserved it. Mm-hmm. Like, did the Lions really deserve to win? I mean, at least they worked for it. And like, that's true. I, I, I want to see the Lions win. I do. I like these kids generally. I like the story of the coach. I want to see these kids win. What I don't like is when I have to watch a movie in and go, oh, but they didn't actually win. Just make them win. Mm-hmm. Just ma- like, I don't need the tension of the light flicker and the generator runs out as the ball's in the air for the final shot. Have it turn off the moment after it goes in. Because now I got to be like, oh, so they lost. Like it, it, it it betrays itself at the end of the movie. I also think it you're does. right. We don't need the generator plot because the crux needs to be that they don't have their coach. And right. that's why they're. And like, even then, like, let's say, let's say Lamont comes back and we have that moment. Great. Then we have this other thing that comes out of the blue where like Alex has to pass when he's normally, and it's mentioned like twice though, where like he has to pass instead of taking the shot for himself at the end of this thing. Um, but ultimately the lions win. We have a massive celebration. You find out that Lamont's wife and son are now there because Lamont has been offered a job as a full-time coach. This is when we get the My Dreams Have Changed storyline. How did um, the wife and kid get there so quickly? I mean, so, it flew in during the 10-day... Well, I guess it was, it was two days to the tournament. So over those days, we see Lamont call right. someone and say, like... I have a new plan I or have something. A new plan. Yeah, yeah seemingly wife and kid are on a plane and they had just flown in mom went and picked him up from the airport that's right Mm -hmm. then we have rabbi lewis in the story of hanukkah while we watch in sort of a round situation uh alex and his family with julie play basketball out on the street with lamont and his family and as the story of hanukkah ends so too does this sequence of basketball playing and that brings this movie, Full Court Miracle, to a close. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a seven. Yeah, I, I think generally it was... And again, this might be me having some rose-colored glasses coming off of the Cheetah Girls, if I'm being honest. Uh, but I think in general, I really enjoyed this movie. Parts of it, to be clear, parts of it were weak. But I, I just found myself rooting for these kids. Uh, I found the group of boys and their and their dreams and aspirations and how they interacted with each other really endearing. I really enjoyed Lamont and his character and the relationship that he had with these kids in sort of this coaching capacity. Um, I don't know. And, and you know what? Even more. I love the fact that we had a good parent relationship. I love the fact that we had a good dad. I just, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I also... Uh, I also give it a seven. I think that 
It could use some editing, but that could be true of, I think, every decom that exists. Um, <laughs> I don't know why Julia is in this film, and I don't think it sucked the landing. But for the most of this film, over an hour of this film, I found it to be uh, very fun to watch, these characters to be likable, the relationships were good and strong and interesting, uh, and I learned more about something uh, in a really engaging, approachable way that didn't feel forced on me, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's what the story was about, but, but it didn't, it, it like the, like that dinner with the rabbi, it didn't feel exclusionary. It felt inclusive. And I, I liked that. I, I will go on as far as to say, I think this is the best winter holiday movie we've gotten from a decom. I'm, I'm trying to think back to all the ho- winter twas holiday. the night. You think twas ultimate, the night? Ultimate Christmas. No, it's present. definitely better than either of those. Are these the only I two we've had? That's the only uh, one. That's okay, the then yeah. I think it's better than any Christmas movie we've gotten. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, what do you, Brian Cranston stealing treasures? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um. You know, we're going to go sevens across the board. Oh. I also liked it. I really liked the Lamont character there. I mean, same same thoughts as as you two mostly. I thought it was funny. It had been a minute since I'd had some actual LOLs, and Lamont's very dry approach to dealing with 14-year-olds made me chuckle quite mm-hmm. a few times. I really liked the rabbi character. Alex annoyed me sometimes, but not as much as other main characters do. So mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty solid. Hard agree. Yeah. Wow. Seven, I think this might be the second time in our pod history that we are aligned across the board. There you go. Well, I'm going to read to you perhaps one of my favorite reviews that I've ever had on IMDb, uh, just because, uh, you know what? I can't wait. The title of this review is A Slam Dunk. Yeah, it is. Classic. I never went to Hebrew school, probably because I'm not Jewish. Probably. But if I had, I hope it would have been like this. The teachers had some lovely smiles and patience, and the basketball team did seem really kind. I like movies where good things happen. (laughs) Basketball is not often a sport that I understand, but this film makes it super easy to get your head around, which is helpful because it's hard about it. I know. I'm like, what's hard about basketball? Put it in the goal. I get football, but like basketball? Which is helpful because there is a lot of basketball in the film. That's true. I am glad I got my Disney Plus account just to watch this film. (laughs) Mandalorian? Never heard of it. (laughs) Because I did so on a recommendation from my friend. Her cat ran away recently. And she's... What? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm getting there. Her cat ran away recently, and she has been watching a lot of films to distract herself. She said that this one is one of the best films she has seen in a while, and she wasn't wrong. <laughs> I'm not done. Lamont Carr is one of the coolest characters, and Alex is a sweet boy. A tad precocious, but still a good kid. In fact, the boy that plays him is from Home Alone 3, my favorite film in the series. <laughs> This meant that just, I enjoyed just, this. Just a banger. This person has a, has a real eye for talent here. Yeah. yeah what? Home Alone? Get out of here. Home Alone 3? Yes, please. Lost in New York? Haven't heard of it. <laughs> this meant that I enjoy this film even more. Go Bulldogs! Woof woof! They're not even the Bulldogs. <laughs> P.S. Have you ever eaten gefilte fish? I haven't, but they eat it in the film and Lamont seems to enjoy it. Might be worth a try. 
Well, thanks for that last thought. <laughs> they gave this movie a 10 out of 10. I'm saying, wow. You know what? I hope that person found their cat. <laughs> I like I do like the endorsement that this is a good movie if you've lost your cat. Yeah. <laughs> the conditional. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, okay. So with that incredible review, I think we now have a, an obligation to have a 2003 year in review. So it here we're fast. It, it did. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six movies in 2003. I we're going to be aligned on this one. So the movie's Maybe not them. So let, let's do on a best and worst. On one half of them. On I one think. half for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a best and worst. So the, the movies that we had were You Wish, Right on Track, The Even Stevens Movie, Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, The Cheetah Girls, and Full Court Miracle. I mean, shoot, I'll start. I think that the, the worst in terms of like movie to me, excluding the music video portions... Uh, was the Cheetah Girls. I think that the best one for me was Right on Track. I think we can go ahead and say we're all aligned that Right on Track's the best one. Definitely the best one. Easily the best one. It's one of the highest rated of all the DCOMs. So it's yeah, a, we all love Right on Track. Right yeah. on Track definitely is the number one. It's, is, it, is it just it, a contest between the Even Stevens movie and the Cheetah Girls? Is that where we are? I think there's one more. I'm not play. counting out You Wish because yeah. of Spencer Breslin. Yeah. Being oh you my, You Wish. It's because of Breslin? Yeah. Breslin, yeah. Is, Breslin is Breslin the most annoying so character in any DCOM I've yet that yeah. he wow. is pulling that movie He's into in the category because i think i think is it the movie or just his character who cares yeah <laughs> for me this one was better than eddie's million dollar cook-off but i kind of liked eddie's million dollar cook-off and like it was a fun rompy oh yeah decom uh-huh. classic but the other three were very bad yeah i think for me I think it's got to be the Ewan Stevens movie. Yeah. I think the uh, Ewan Stevens movie was so bad. I wanted to turn it off. I fell asleep and, and I fell yeah. asleep and woke up in the middle of it and it didn't matter because mm. nothing happened. That's true. Um, I, I, I really hated the Ewan Stevens movie. Are you movie. forgetting that part of the Cheetah Girls where we all had to hit pause and were grateful? I'm, I know, but I think the music video is like pull the cheetah girls up a little bit i mean they're good music videos um yeah right on track is definitely the best one i'm glad we're aligned on that i also am gonna go even steven's movie oh. i i i don't i don't know if our ratings reflect that but as i think back on them i'd probably i'd rather watch the cheetah girls again than watch the even steven's movie again I'm just watching the horror like play in your eyes right now, Max. It's, it's reflecting. It was hard to process. It was so the bad. Idea of doing either one of those things. <laughs> if, Even if you're choosing although, which torture you I, want. I gotta say though, now that I think of it like that, I might put on Even Stevens movie before you wish. It is so hard to watch wow. Spencer Breslin. You, Spencer Breslin is in play because the scenes without Spencer Breslin, I found good, fine. Yeah. But the scenes with Spencer Breslin They're were so watch. unbearable. They're tough to watch. It's just this this 2003 has been a coin flip. It's either going to be okay, like an average decom or maybe a, above average decom or like what are we doing here? I think it's got if you go by the numbers, I think it probably has cumulatively the worst average. The worst at, like I I think that if we didn't have one of the highest rated decoms that we yeah, had. Yeah, right on track, yeah. Um, I think that it would, but if you go by like 
what percentage of DCOMs were, did we score below a three or something like that? Like I would say percentage wise, it's got the most bad. 50% of them we hated. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was, it was whoo, tough year. And we didn't love Eddie's million dollar. It was just fine. Just right. Like better than average, even Steven's um, movie. Two movies this year. The average one we DCOM. just watched that we all gave sevens, pretty a uh, good score. And then Ryan track, which got a very high score. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, those two stand out, but yeah, 50% horrible. bad, terrible. Listen, let's hope 2004 is better. We started off with Pixel Perfect next week. That's going to be a. I, no I don't idea. know anything either, but we're going to find out. Mm-hmm. I, I think 2004 and 2005 are an enigma to me because then as soon as we hit 2006, that when we that's when High School Musical leads us off in 06, mm. which is kind of when my memory of DCOMs comes back. Mm. Yeah, we've got six movies in, in 2004 again. Um, I've seen none of them, so oh, it'll be fun. Well, it'll, it'll be a learning moment. What a, what a way to end 2003 with our first ever Hanukkah film. Our, our first ever Hanukkah decom. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever it is you get your pods. It really does help us out. Be sure to follow us on all of our socials. And if you want to join in the conversation, as people like to do after listening to the pod, uh, follow us on Discord and join us there. But until next time, friends, we will see you next week for Pixel Perfect. So, bye. Uh, bye. bye. Dreidel, 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 dreidel. Dreidel.